It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The future is bright, ladies and gentlemen. We don't need to worry about the climate emergency anymore because we have a new champion for saving the planet. Step forward, Mr Reginald Dwight, otherwise known as Sir Elton John, a man who cares so much about the environment that he sent his own private jet to pick up Prince Harry and his wife Meghan Markle and whisk them down to Spain, where they all sat around congratulating each other on how brilliant they were at helping everybody else. Not only that, but the flamboyant Sir Elton also made sure that the flight was, in his words, carbon neutral by sending some money to an outfit called Carbon Footprint, a limited company based in Islington set up to make wealthy people feel less guilty about flying. How about you just stop flying? What's Elton going to do next? Fly over poor parts of the world and throw money out of the plane at them, perhaps to help them uh, with their poverty problem? It's absolutely unbelievable, is it? Incredibly, Elton says we should leave Meghan and Harry alone because they're doing great things to save the planet and what difference does it make to them or to us if he flies them around in private jets all the time? 0344 you may have something to say about it. We'll be speaking to Anthony Day coming up, environmental consultant, presenter of the Sustainable Futures Report podcast. Also coming up, we'll be asking you what you think of Boris's uh, letter to Donald Tusk and why on earth Jeremy Corbyn won't just sit down and shut up. Plus, we'll tell you how your Mercedes could be spying on you and passing your private information and your whereabouts to bailiffs and other people who might be looking for you. And we'll be finding out just why older people are now getting more and more abuse than ever before. And it's not just on social media for a change. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, before we begin, let us read uh, the statement from uh, Sir Elton John about Meghan and Harry and their trip down to visit him uh, in sunny Spain. Sir Elton says this, I am deeply distressed by today's distorted and malicious account in the press surrounding the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's private stay at my home in Nice last week. Prince Harry's mother, Diana, Princess of Wales, was one of my dearest friends. I feel a profound sense of obligation to protect Harry and his family from the unnecessary press intrusion that contributed to Diana's untimely death. After a hectic year continuing their hard work and dedication to charity, David and I wanted the young family to have a private holiday inside the safety and tranquility of our home. Uh, to maintain a high level of much-needed protection, we provided them with a private jet flight. To support Prince Harry's commitment to the environment, we ensured that their flight was carbon neutral by making the appropriate contribution to carbon footprint. I highly respect and applaud both Harry and Meghan's commitment to charity, and I'm calling on the press 
to cease their relentless and untrue assassinations on their character that are spuriously crafted on an almost daily basis. Well, I think, what next for Sir Elton John? I think maybe a sainthood, perhaps? Maybe um, he becomes the House of Lords, maybe put him in charge of the country? Who can say? Let's talk to Anthony Day and find out what all this carbon offsetting business is all about, because it seems like a bit of a racket to me. Anthony, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thanks very, yeah, very well. Thanks for joining us. I've, I found this carbon offsetting company that Elton's uh, referring to, Carbon Footprint, seems to have a, a limited company address up in Islington somewhere, N1. Um, and I looked at it, it looks like if you wanted to fly, say, for example, down to Marbella from London, the carbon offset for that for a first class ticket is about 800 quid. How do they come up with that money and where does it go? Well, I don't know how, how they come up with the money, but where it goes, if you look at their website, it goes to a whole range of projects uh, across the world. Uh, which are aimed at cutting carbon emissions. Uh, planting trees is one of the main ones, providing people with clean water so they don't have to burn wood and create carbon emissions to boil the water, uh, providing people with clean cooking stoves so they cut emissions there. Um, uh, they do it across the world. They are um, authorised and they are checked by international standards organisations. So that's that's where the money goes. Right. Well, so how much, for example, would it cost to plant a tree? If I said to, to this lot, you know, I'd like to plant a tree somewhere in the world, not carbon offsetting anything, I just want to plant a tree. How much does that cost? I don't know, but I wouldn't have thought it would cost know. a great deal. I well, mean, no, I, I think it might cost a couple of quid, probably even less than that. I mean, what, uh, one country planted 220 million trees in a week uh, a couple of weeks ago, so right. it can't cost an awful lot. Right, no, exactly right. Well, I, bet, I wish they'd come here, whoever was able to do that, because we can't seem to get the trains running on time. I mean, if you plant well, that many trees in a week, that's pretty good going. But it just seems yeah. to me this is a little bit of a hypocritical situation we're looking at here. You know, I've got plenty of time for people who say to me, look, we need to save the world. It would be really a good idea if you stopped flying quite as much as you do. But to be wealthy enough to just say, you know what, I'm going to fly wherever I like, but as long as I pay some money to some spurious company somewhere in Islington, I'll feel fine about it. OK, yes, it's a bit hypocritical. Um, I don't know that the company is spurious. You're quite right, there have been offset scams. There have been schemes that didn't work. This one looks quite good. Um, ideally, we should send all the money out to uh, uh, reduce carbon emissions and not fly. But, well, exactly. Yeah, that's, but, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's that's what, I'm not saying. what the royals will do. I mean, I wouldn't agree with you that we shouldn't fly anywhere, but if you had that point of view, and I'm sure you may well have it, I'd be perfectly happy to, to, to let you have that view, and I would respect it. But what I wouldn't respect is if you told everybody else that we really shouldn't fly, and then you went uh, and got on straight on a private jet and flew off to Madagascar. OK, yes, all right, so that's hypocritical, but it doesn't change the science. We still have a climate crisis. Yeah, but that's not so, what we're talking about today, Anthony. We're talking about the fact that people who are, are very hypocritical... For example, I mean, look at the, the boat trip currently being taken to uh, New York by Greta uh, and, and her father and a few other people. They're flying people to New York so that they can bring the boat back here. I mean, that seems to me to be a bit of a waste of time. Right, but the climate crisis is far more important than the hypocrisy. Oh, is it? it, it Absolutely. Oh, I the see. climate crisis okay. is going to affect every one of so us. So I can be as hypocritical about it as I want then and just keep talking about there being a climate crisis. As long as I keep talking about it, that's fine. Well, I don't say that's fine, but it doesn't change the science. It doesn't well, change you've the just fact. said the hypocrisy is less important than the emergency, so therefore if we yeah, all carry we've on being... we've got to deal with the emergency, not with not Yes, with but hypocrisy. do you not see that if you're a hypocrite, you're not dealing with the emergency? Right, well, let's accept there are some hypocrites because there are a lot of people who are not hypocrites and... And, and they are dealing with it, and we've got to deal with it, are whether they? we're hypocrites or not. Well, I saw a guy from Extinction Rebellion being interviewed on television the other day who said that six million people, or six billion people, rather, were going to be wiped off the face of the earth uh, within the next 20 or 30 years, which is clearly nonsense. Well, yeah, may well be. May well, may be. well be. Uh, 
Well, it's quite well, a dramatic statement to make. I mean, this, but this is the statement that's being made by the people who say the science is very clear. Right. Well, I didn't think it was that clear. I no, mean, I, I don't, don't think it is. To see that many people wiped <laughs> off. It's a possibility. I mean, we could see twenty or thirty million people wiped off the uh, or whatever the figure was, six billion. Six billion. Yeah. Yeah, we could see that if, if for example, we get some sort of. Um, uh, virus or, or, yeah. or, or disease which we well, can't cope with. Well, you can't predict that. No, of course you can't. But that's my point. I mean, that's always my point when we have this conversation, uh, that there is a lot that you can't predict and there is a lot that you can't foresee and there is a lot that you cannot um, absolutely and utterly prove. Quite right. But as far as the climate is concerned, as opposed to... Uh diseases and things like that, the, the, the predictions are pretty certain. Well, they're predictions, though, aren't they? You can't have a certain prediction until you know what's happened. Right, but if you wait until see what's happened, it could be too late. It could be, but all I'm saying is, is you can't be sure that you will be right. Uh, you can't. But, no. Uh, so the therefore, it's not actually a climate. It's not actually a climate emergency. It might be a climate emergency. Well, the government's decided it's an emergency. The government can't can decide whether they can leave the European Union or not. Never mind what the future of the world holds for us. Well, we could talk about the government for ages, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, but they have decided there's a climate crisis. They have decided that things have got to be done to reduce carbon emissions by 2050, and there are things that have got to be done to protect the country against the effects of climate change uh, by 2050. So, you know, it's generally accepted that we... Uh, you see, there's the that phrase. I'm not going to let you get away with that. It's generally accepted. I don't accept that that is generally accepted at all. There's plenty of people who don't generally accept it. And even if everybody well, did generally accept it, it is not any way to, to run a country just because an awful lot of people agree with you. It's generally accepted by the scientific community that we have a climate crisis. And the government uh, believes that we should therefore prudently take steps to mitigate and reduce the consequences of that climate crisis. They do, and they have, and all of that is correct. And that, the reason yeah. you can say all that with absolute surety is because it's happened, because people have made decisions, taken uh, action, and things have, done, have oh, been no, done, no, and things no, have been done in the past and are being done today which are supposed to be averting the climate crisis. But what you can't say with well, any surety is whether it will have any effect. No, I've got to pick you up on that. They're saying things should be done. They're not doing them. I mean, if you look at the Climate Change Committee report, it says the government has identified 25 actions that should be taken and they're only, only delivered on one. Well, do you know what? So, I was talking to somebody about the National Grid yesterday and one of the reasons the National Grid is in such a parlous condition is because of all the green... Um, mechanisms they have put into the system to make sure uh, that we are much less uh, carbon, carbon heavy when we generate electricity in this country. So it's wrong to say that things are not being done. There are many things being done. We're also paying a tax to every single energy company that we get energy from, which is a green tax supposed to be offsetting climate change. We're also paying a massive airport tax whenever we fly on a plane from this country. So don't say we're not doing anything. Well, I'm not saying we're doing anything, and we're not doing nearly enough, though. We're not doing nearly enough. Well, I mean, we... what, what else should we be doing? Um, well, one of the things we should be doing is insulating every home in the country to cut its uh, emissions by half, to cut its eating costs by half. That'll reduce um, fuel poverty. It'll also create jobs. We should be looking to electrifying the transport fleet and getting rid of uh, fossil fuel vehicles, which produce um, carbon emissions. Things like that. I mean, radical things, which unfortunately are going to be pretty horrendous, but they should have been started 30 years ago because the science was there then. Well, who's going to pay for all this, though? Well, we're going to have to. Well, who, though? Well... We want me to pay for it. We'll, we'll need to pay for it, We, yeah. as in what, the taxpayer? Uh, well, I'm the consumer, yeah. 
Yeah, because otherwise... We'll, we already we pay up... a green tax for our energy, right? What's that well, being used for? Uh, probably just subsidise nuclear, because nuclear is seen as uh, emissions-free. No, no, but the point is that, Anthony, you're a, a man who knows about sustainable futures. You present a podcast, but you don't seem to know yeah. where any of the money goes or, or you know, how, it's, how, how anything's funded. We're already paying a load of tax to supposedly support the green economy and for us to be less carbon-heavy and carbon-using, and yet you don't know where the right. money's going or what's being spent on. Well, what I've suggested... Well, I've suggested where the money should be spent. I've suggested it should be spent on, on, on greening the, uh, uh, the transport fleet and about on emission, uh, on insulating the uh, housing stock. Well, why do we, for example, if we were to offset uh, every flight that we went on, how would that help the world? Um, well, it all depends what projects it's invested in, but basically the aim of the projects is to reduce the carbon emissions and thereby reduce global heating. No, I know and what the aim is, but what is the actual practical use of offsetting uh, your flight by paying into a company a load of money? Well, the money goes to setting up these projects to reduce carbon emissions. But isn't it all a bit of a racket, though, Anthony? I mean, you must admit, there's an awful lot of money going into these things, because mostly the only people who can afford to offset their, their holidays and their flights are people who've got quite a lot of money, right? So they're doing it to solve their own consciences. They're doing it to right. make themselves feel right. good, OK? All of which may be fine, but I don't see anybody kind of policing it. I don't know where you can find out where this money is going. Well, if there are the international bodies which supervise well, like and who? report on all these things. Like who? Yeah. Um... Like who? Hang on a minute. Well, I mean, who, um, can I find, who can I call and say, could you please check this company out for me? Could you please tell me what projects they've been involved in? Yeah, OK. Uh, there's the Certified Emissions Reduction Gold Standard, Certified Emission Reduction Gold Standard, Verified Emission Reductions and Verified Carbon Standard, Certified Credits, Quality Assurance Standards for Carbon Offsetting. There's organisations all uh, who, who look at... Uh, and who projects. runs... Are they privately run? Are they government run? I don't know, to be perfectly honest. You see, it just it seems agree, to me... Listen, Anthony, I'm it, sorry, I'm it, not having a go at you here. Done. I'm just saying that, you no. know, this, this whole industry seems to me to be set up, not policed very well, uh, run on the sort of goodness of somebody's reputation, which may or may not be a good thing or a bad thing. But, you know, in the end, these things need to be policed properly. There's a lot of money involved. You're absolutely right. I think I'll make that the next thing that I report on in the sustainable. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, when you've done it, would you come back on and talk to us about it? Because, I'm, you know, listen, I'm all in favour of people having a different view. I'm all in favour of you wanting to tell me about how da dangerous the climate is going to become and all of that. However, I just think it's a bit hypocritical of some people to put money yeah. into a fund which they honestly don't really... I mean, Elton John couldn't care less if he gives about 1,500 quid away for a couple of flights yeah. to, uh, to Nice because it's, a, it's, it's nothing to him. You know, he, spends, uh, he spent 250,000 quid on flights hours one year you know the point is yeah. is that he's probably not going to worry about where that money goes but if i was going to do it i would want to know where the money was going right well i'll look into that okay brilliant anthony thank you very much indeed anthony day presenter of the sustainable futures report podcast he's going to go and do a bit of journalistic work for us which is always welcome here on the independent republican mike graham I want to hear from you though oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand this carbon offsetting uh, is a load of rubbish isn't it isn't it Call us. This is Talk Radio. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Can you just drive tonight on a plane? I can see the red to lies. Heaven to spank you, oh, and I can see Daniel waving goodbye.
Presumably Elton's going to re-record this now and put in a bit of carbon offsetting for Daniel flying on a plane because obviously that's what you have to do. Because as long as you keep carbon offsetting your flights, that's fine. Got a great one here from Alex who's tweeted and he says, uh, you can be a hypoc hypocrite if you just state the science is clear. Right, I'm going to take my V8 down to the gym and shout that out the window as I exit my drive. Exactly right. Just keep saying the science is clear. Uh, I'm carbon offsetting everything that I do every single time that I drive my car, every single time uh, that I light my fire, every single time that I cook something, every single time that I get on a plane. Don't worry, I'm going to send the bill to Elton John and he's going to pay this bloke in Islington and everybody's going to be happy. Let's talk to Gerard, who's in crew. Hello, Gerard. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, sir. Uh, How, how's you your doing? carbon footprint doing today? Well, actually, I'm ashamed to say I'll be taking my first flight for five years on Friday to my daughter's <laughs> wedding. Ah, so, yes, yes, you mentioned that, yeah. Did she give you any uh, grief for your appearance on the, on the show the other day? Uh, not seen it yet. I might get that on the day. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, just send the bill down to Elton John and he'll be happy to pay uh, the carbon footprint people for you uh, so hey. you don't have to feel guilty. Hey, I planted I planted the woodland of trees on my lifetime. I grow them, so I don't need any of that. But then I don't go around preaching to people like uh, our royal family does. But I mean, but, uh, I isn't mean, this a great uh, scam? And I'm certainly not suggesting for a moment that there's any criminality involved in uh, what's being set up in this place yeah. in Islington. But imagine setting up a company and getting someone to give you money for something that you can't actually see. No, what it sums up to me is, is this is my way of being a bad person where I'm going to pay and offset it. You know, I'm, I'm, because they've told us flying is a bad thing. And this, this is similar to me with people who've got money. And there's nothing wrong with having money, but the super rich, who, they don't go to jail. They just pay a fine and yeah. say, well, it's money. I'll just hand it over. It means nothing to them. No. Now, that just brings me on to the point with Harry and Meghan and the rest of the royal family. Is, it sums them up perfectly. If they think wheeling out Sir Elton John... Uh, to defend them is, is making them look good. It makes it look worse. It does. It just shows them for what they are, which is a bunch of freeloaders. Well, a bunch of freeloaders taking free holidays from very yep. wealthy people. You know, if I rang up uh, Meghan and Harry and said, you fancy coming to Portugal with me? Um, yep. I, I'm afraid I can't actually send a private jet for you, but you'd have a nice time. What do you think the answer would be? They send us, well, we know what the answer would be, Mike. They, they hang around serious money. They don't hang around the money that you've got. But, no. But they, they, they hang around serious money. You can always find bad, you know, them around the bad smell. Look at Andrew with Epstein. Look at his ex-wife yeah. with Epstein. Why, do you, think, why do you think Megan's best friend is Oprah Winfrey? Oh, well, why do you think? We can all put two and two together and come up with four in this occasion. We can add up. They don't have to add up and pay the bills because they always send the bill to somebody else. Yes, and that's, exactly. And that's why over the years... I've lost patience with them. I used to like them, and I still like the Queen, and I still like Anne. But the rest of them, bunch of freeloaders, and Andrew started this. He was always known as Air Miles Andrew. He was indeed, yeah. And so that's why you know, the, the hypocrisy of these people, the sponging off the rest of us, it drives me crazy. And basically, that's all I've got to say. No, I'm well, listen, I'm that, totally in, in accord with you. Have a nice time at the wedding, and don't forget to, care, uh, to plant a few more trees on the way back. And what about this from Elton John, right? I feel a profound sense of obligation to protect Harry and his family. Well, why? What's it got to do with Elton John? I mean, you know, you might be friends with the royal family. Uh, you might indeed be the royal family and be friends with Elton John. But, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, uh, of course we can do whatever we like as long as you don't do whatever you like. The point is, the bottom line is, uh, this is not the only private jet they've used in the past month alone. They've been on three different private jets. They went to Ibiza on a private jet. I wonder who paid for that. Let's talk to Pat, who's in Stepney. Hello, Pat. Oh, good morning, Mark, morning. as usual. I mean, uh, a couple of points. First of all, you forgot Rocket Man, another Elton John song. Well, we can only play one song at a time, Pat. Give us a chance. I mean, all them, all that, <laughs> you know, Rocket exhaust blasting into the blasting into the atmosphere, sending him to outer space. Yes. 
you know, so uh, he's, what's he going to offset there? Like, he's going to have to plant a lot of trees to offset that lot, isn't he? Well, exactly right. But imagine, I mean, I said, you know, it's just, it's just, this is the equivalent of flying in a helicopter over one of the poorest parts of the South Sudan and chucking money out at people and going, there you go, uh, see if that helps you. I certainly feel a lot better. Yeah, you know, but, uh, like, I'm just um, reviewing what the last caller said. I mean, these people, no wonder all, all this royal family, they're all, they're all stone-rich people. They never spend any of their own money. No, well, they haven't got any of their own money. They don't actually make any money. I mean, they've got money uh, largely as a result of the money that they've been given. Yeah, I mean, Bums, that's what I'm saying. Larry's a, a multi-millionaire in his own right. Well, why, why not spend... I mean, I, I, would, I would take umbrage at people... Like, if I was rich and then somebody a little bit richer than me said to me, I'll come and I'll pay for it all. And I, I said, no, I've got money, me. And I'll, I'll, yeah, but you know I'll... what it is, Pat? It's about the super rich now. It's not about any longer just being a millionaire because actually Prince Harry's not rich enough to buy himself a private jet because a private jet would set him back about 50 million quid if he wanted to get a decent one. And even if he did that, he'd probably feel a bit insecure because there might be somebody who's got a bigger jet than him. Do you know what I mean? Once you get to this level of money, these people are so like greedy about what they want to spend and what they don't want to spend, uh, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, that's right. And and the bloke you was interviewing when at the top of the programme... Anthony Day, yeah. You know, he, he's not a scientist. I mean, well, where's, his, where's his, you know, where's his credentials? Well, that's a very good question. He's an environmental consultant. He doesn't claim to be a scientist, but like all of the people who believe in climate change and the fact that the Earth is going to burn up and disappear... He says everybody agrees on the science. Well, I'm sorry, everybody doesn't agree on the science. That's right. Look, um, I, I, I look at it this way. If there's 11 top scientists and 10 agree with the, like, the science, but one doesn't, yeah. I'm going to tend to agree with the one that doesn't because yes. he's probably right. Well, as Piers Corbyn said, it used to be the case that scientists disagreed about stuff and that's how you learn more and more. That's how you gain knowledge. That's how you investigate what is likely to be going on. If you all sit around agreeing with each other in the same room, nobody ever finds anything out that's new. No, that, that's true. It's, 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 it's stagnating science. But as I say, the, 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 you know, the, the, these people, uh, I mean, the, 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 I think Harry and Meghan, are, I mean, once the Queen and Prince Philip pops off, I think Harry and Meghan will destroy the royal family. Well, I wouldn't be at all surprised. I think they should leave it, as I've said many times before. Pat, thanks very much indeed. I think it would be best for everyone, including their own uh, good selves, to leave this country, to announce that they are no longer attached to the royal family. He will give up his uh, right to the being uh, the heir to the throne. They can go and live privately, uh, a little bit like sort of, you know, other members of other royal families in history around the world have done. And they can do all their good works. They can make all of their friends uh, come to cocktail parties and they can go to red carpet openings of uh, movies and theatres and all the rest of it. Uh, and in the end, they'll be a lot happier, but they will not any longer be at the behest of the British public. They will no longer have to answer to the British public because we won't be giving them any more money. Don't forget, we've already paid for the shrubbery uh, around their little uh, cottage, which is not really a cottage at all. It's a ten-bedroom mansion. And we've also redecorated it for them. And we also paid for the security for their wedding, which was millions and millions of pounds. And so, never mind supporting... Meghan and Harry, Mr Elton John. How about supporting the British public who have made you as wealthy as you are? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's a suicide rap. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number to call us on. We've got loads of you who want to talk to us before one o'clock, which is when, of course, uh, Ian Collins is going to be here in for Matthew Wright. We've had some great calls already today. I've got a great tweet here as well uh, that's been sent to me, and it's uh, actually referring me to a news story about Canada's upcoming election, right? Because apparently uh, there is an election about to happen in Canada, uh, and according to uh, somebody called, who is it, Paul, uh, who has sent me this, uh, it turns out that the Canadian um, election watchdog has basically warned in environmentalists and charities that they cannot put climate change into an advert and say that it's real because it might break the law. <laughs> the issue has apparently arisen because one party running in the election campaign denies that climate change is a threat, OK? And so Elections Canada has said they're going to warn groups that running paid advertisements, advertisements even, about climate change could be considered partisan activity. So there you go. So the Canadians actually say uh, there is no proof that there is climate change and you can't advertise about it. Let's talk to Simon Calder, though. He is, of course, our man uh, who is on the Piccadilly line in London today because uh, he is our very good friend from The Independent, travel expert, travel guru, a man uh, who knows more about the planet perhaps than anybody else. Uh, Whether it's heating up or not is another matter. But he's on uh, what can only be described as a bit of a challenge all through the month of August, right? He's taking on one challenge each and every day. The other day, uh, which he's written about recently, he was hitchhiking from Cardiff Central to Hollyhead, uh, which is um, one way to get from one end of uh, Wales to another. Uh, I'll ask him about how difficult and how unusual uh, and how hard that was to do. Because hitchhiking, uh, at the best of times, is pretty difficult. But hitchhiking, uh, when you are um, a middle-aged bloke like Simon and me, I would imagine would be actually quite difficult. Uh, but he did manage to do it. Um, and, uh, of course, he was overtaken by plenty of caravans. Today, uh, he's actually going to a place called Cockfosters, uh, which some of you 
may know, is at the eastern outreach uh, of the Piccadilly line, uh, somewhere up in sort of northeast London. Uh, and you can get a Piccadilly line train all the way from Cockfosters all the way through the centre of London, Piccadilly Circus, all of that, Hammersmith, and all the way out to Heathrow Airport, which is what he's going to be doing today and what he's going to be telling us uh, all about as soon as we can get him on the line. But we can't get him on the line at the moment because I think he might have gone uh, underground and has therefore uh, disappeared. But don't worry, because we've got still plenty of your tweets. We've got plenty of other things to do. We'll get some of your calls up as well uh, while we're on the phone to Simon. Uh, let's talk to Peter, who's in Folkestone. He wants to talk uh, about the environment. Hello, Peter. Hi, Mike. How are you so, doing? I was listening to, the, to the, your so-called... Well, the, the guy you had a, an agreeable conversation with, but... You were both at very different points of view. Well, he wasn't really terribly filled with what I would regard as any knowledge or information about what I wanted to know about, because I wanted to know how these people who run these carbon offset companies can actually justify what it is that they do. Yeah, and and, and how much does it cost and blah, blah, blah. But and it occurred to me that there's... If you remember in the UK, there was uh, there was the Sky at Night, that old programme about Sky Watching. Oh, yes, and I remember was, that. And there was Patrick a Moore. called the Patrick Moore. Yes, he was a great yeah. man. I had, him, I had yeah. him on the show, actually, a couple of times. Yeah, well, he, well again, I mean, he was a scientist, you know, and, and a great specialist in his own work. But there's another Camp Patrick Moore. Oh, yeah. And he was one of the five or six founders of Greenpeace. OK. In, in Canada, mm. with the, on the original boat, stopped the atom testing, stopped the, the whale hunting. OK. All of that stuff. And his name is Patrick Moore. Okay. And he he's now loathed by a lot of people. He was because he argues against climate change uh, being directly man-made, and he talks about it being solar heated the way Piers Corbyn does. No, oh, he's gone he the other way, talk. has he? Right. Oh, well, maybe we'll try and get him on the show and see if we can get to talk to him. Well, yeah, and, and, and he the thing is he he talks about the science. He says people have lost track of the science. And they just believe it emotionally. Yes. So now not only are you, are you sort of off track with, with facts, but you're attacking their religion. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. That's what it's become. Peter, thanks very much indeed. We've got to run because we've managed to find Simon Calder before he disappears again uh, off into the underground. Simon, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Uh, yes, and lovely to talk to you and I. I do apologise. I'm in the middle of seven adventures in seven days and they're all going disastrously wrong. <laughs> uh, the uh, excellent um, production people at Talk Tower said, will you be there for us at 11.45? And I said, of course I will. But then the Piccadilly line um, uh, ironically let everybody down. I'm on the Piccadilly line at the moment. And my adventure today, anybody who knows the capital will be aware that one end of the Piccadilly line is Cockfosters, the other end... Heathrow Terminal 5, I have drawn a straight line on the map between them and I am going to be making the journey above ground and finding out what I've been missing by uh, uh, not going to the... Um uh, by not taking the most direct route. It's oh, a see. lovely journey. It looks 24 miles or so. I've got my bike, and I reckon I can do it in about three hours, but we shall see. So you're going to go from Cockfoster Station by bike uh, to Heathrow, uh, in other words? Yes, um, and, and um, as straight as a Roman road, if I can possibly manage it. And it takes into some interesting places. Totteridge, ever been there? Yes, um, it comes, home, of, uh, through, home uh, of an awful lot of footballers, Totteridge. Oh, is it? Yes, a lot, right. of Arsenal, uh, a lot of Arsenal and Spurs footballers live there. Oh, OK. Um, I'll be looking out for some nice cars and some nice houses. Yeah. Is that where you live, Mike? Uh, that's not um, where I live, no, but I used to go okay. out with somebody who lived there, so that's how I know. Did you? Yes. Oh, crikey. Yeah, many I, years I, I, ago. Uh, well, I, I, I think um, we should get her on the line. Um, uh, but also North Old Airport, for example, this um, marvellous old um, RAF yes. station. And finally, touching down at Heathrow, 
hopefully um, having had, um, well, an adventure and I hope a more successful one uh, than I have done in the last uh, uh, yesterday yes. when I was trying to race a train, um, the 721 Trans, Rails Ex- uh, Trans Wales Express, which sets off from uh, Cardiff Central Station and it takes over five hours yes. to reach Hollyhead. Um, I was only sort of a couple of hundred miles away, and I thought, that's ridiculous. I could hitchhike faster than that. Could I? Could I, heck? Well, I was going to uh, say, I mean, it, I don't know if you probably didn't hear me because it was while we were trying to get hold of you that, that it's all very well hitchhiking. I used to do it when I was a student, but I'm not sure, uh, without wishing to be unkind, a man of your years or mine would have any <laughs> would have any success hitchhiking, to be honest. Oh, well, look, I, I got a fair, fair number of lifts, so who did I get? Um, a chap in a red Mercedes. He was very nice. I can't tell you anything about him because he didn't want to be identified. Okay. Um, a lovely couple, uh, John and Sally, in a janky worst thing. Tell the very story. nice. Uh, then Graham and uh, Sarah, they were in a really quite a small car, and I had really quite a lot of luggage, so that was uh, cozy. <laughs> couple of Australians who were just driving around Wales, enjoying themselves. Um, uh, they, they, uh, Kyle and Emily, and then finally, for the first time in my hitching career, which, as you rightly point out, has been going on for quite a long time, I got a lift in something towing a caravan i see that you mentioned uh, yeah you mentioned yeah. a lot of caravans i mean i once yeah. um, for my sins was given one of those big motorhomes for a for a sort of a, uh, a holiday piece that i had to write once for the oh, daily mirror no, they're um, awful, aren't they? well yeah. i mean the thing was what i didn't realize was that most people who have them also have like either a motorcycle attached to them or a car attached to them so that yeah. when you go to the shops you don't have to go in this gargantuan <laughs> great machine right but of course i didn't yeah. know that so i had to take it everywhere i went and i'd go to tesco's to buy some stuff and I'd have to park as far away as possible from the shop occupying about eight spaces <laughs> sideways because you couldn't park the thing you know uh, completely impractical why did you drive around with large quantities of household effects when uh, there are and I've noticed uh, plenty of uh, hotels and EMBs and stuff around um, here I finally am by the way at lovely Cockford okay um, only, uh, only what, uh, 15 minutes later than I thought I would okay. be. If you're travelling on the Piccadilly line today, today, people, good luck. Yeah, really. Now, one question about uh, RAF Northolt when you go past it, because one of the things that I love about RAF Northolt is on the A40... And there's the street lights, if you if you know the, yeah. the that neck of the woods, are like half size. They're like midget street lights because of the planes yeah. coming in. They look really, really interesting. Um but are you gonna be allowed to go on the A forty on a on a push bike or you have to take a different route? Well, I'm just going to stick to the... Uh, I mean, they're, they're, you will not be surprised to learn that there is no bicycle path that goes direct from here uh, to Heathrow. No. I'm going to be sticking, I hope, to the quiet roads where I can. I won't be um, troubling the um, the M1 or the uh, uh, busy section of the uh, dual carriageway A40 um, or even the M4. Um, uh, I, I will try and try and stay safe and um, have an adventure, which uh, since it's now in my control and not the control of um, people who probably don't want to stop and pick me up. Um, I'm a little bit more optimistic about it. Good stuff. Well, great uh, performance anyway, Simon. Let's let's talk to you maybe after the end of the month when you've done all these amazing adventures and uh, we can find out how they all went. Simon, thank you very much indeed. Simon Calder, travel editor of The Independent, a man uh, who is intrepid. And in fact, the word intrepid was almost invented for Simon Calder. He's been everywhere in the world. Uh, he's now doing uh, the Piccadilly line, except above ground on a bicycle. How fascinating. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
So front page of the Sun this morning, Mercedes has sparked a privacy row with admitting it spies on drivers with tracking devices covertly installed in its cars. The secret sensors fitted to all new and used motors sold by the firm's dealers pinpoint the vehicle's exact location. Uh, Ex-Cabinet Minister David Davis accused Mercedes of behaving like Big Brother. Well, it doesn't really surprise me, given that we've all got sat-navs in our cars now, if the car's relatively new, particularly if it's an inbuilt sat-nav, presumably that can tell you precisely if you want to find out and you want to use that sat-nav's capability. It can, if you've got the right equipment, it can tell you exactly where you are. Let's find out from Mike Rutherford. Mike, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Hello, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Just on your previous point, yeah. um, I don't want to sound like some eco-mentalist um, hero or anything, but... Um, you know, I do a bit of travelling. Um, I, um, I I do some miles. I'm responsible for some exhaust emissions. Yes. And do you know what I do? You know what I bought a few years ago, and I what? still have, and I I will have until the day I die. I've got a little bit of woodland. I bought a couple of acres of woodland. Oh, nice. Which which I don't touch. No tree, not one tree has ever been removed. And I'm talk, talking thick woodland, yes. sort of almost ancient woodland, not very expensive. And if anybody accuses me of having a large carbon footprint, I say to them, whether it's whoever it is, uh, especially I enjoy saying this to an eco-mentalist who points the finger and doesn't look at him or herself, I say, well, you know, where's your private woodland? Yes. Uh, what, what are you doing? Yes. In, in terms of, um, and so that's just a little thought. And I tell you what, it's a nice feeling to know you own a little bit of woodland and it sort of clears your conscience a little bit as well. Well, I think that's absolutely fine. And exactly, if you want to do that, Mike, it's great. But what I don't want to hear from people is that by doing it, you're somehow better than the people who are not doing it, you know, because oh, you're choosing no. to do it and that's fine. And I'm glad that yeah. you've told us about it. But, you know, the idea that Sir Elton John, uh, who is on a 300-date a world tour, I think, currently, or has taken a little bit of a break from it, flying all over the place, I mean, he can afford to offset it with whatever it is. Yeah. The thing that I worry about uh, is that if you're doing this carbon offsetting thing, you're giving another company a load of money you have no idea right. what they're doing with it. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, my my my. Uh, th that's the point I'm making or trying to make, Mike. That you know, ca carbon offsetting is just an invisible thing on paper in a computer. We really don't know what goes on. If you go and if you go and do something about a problem yourself, even if it's planting a tree, you know you've done it. Yeah. I take a similar I take a similar approach with charities. I'd rather rather than give money to a charity, you're not sure where the money's going to yeah. i'd rather give the money or the item direct to the person in, uh, who needs it on the front line on the receiving end it's well you don't want to give it you don't want to give it to someone like we were talking about the other day the boss of mary stopes uh, uh, who apparently coins in about 450 grand a year and you think to yourself you well, where's he getting that from you know there you go. If you've got some old clothes, if you're going to on holiday to somewhere like Cuba or parts of Africa or even parts of Europe, yeah. your old books, take them with you and leave them there. Yeah. With, good idea. With the people on the front line. Yeah, it's far more sensible. Very, very good. It's doing it from the kind of, you know, cottage industry as far as I'm concerned. But the trouble is, for me, this whole carbon emissions and eco-economy business is becoming a multi-million dollar business. I mean, there are people making oh. fortunes out of all this stuff. If I if I if I was a young person and I had my wits about me, or I was advising a young person what what is a lucrative industry to go in, I'd say go into the the eco business because it it is a booming booming multi billion 
dollar industry. You know, it's it's the new it's the new gravy train, the new gold rush. It is. Well, me. you'll make more money out of it than you will selling cars. To, to be honest, let's let's, sure. let's talk about Mercedes because, um, in a way, it's an extraordinary story today in the Sun. Um, but in, in a way, it isn't because, like I said, if you've got a sat nav, which is basically a device in your car which uses a satellite to track where you are, it's not that surprising that other people might be using that same device for another reason. Well, quite. And to be fair to Mercedes, Mike, for one moment, as I understand it, we're talking here about uh, cars that people don't own. In other words, they're leasing them or they're buying them on the never-never or it's long-term rental. So people are driving around in their cars and they don't own them until they pay their last payment. And it's those people that while they're paying their 36 months at 300 quid a month or whatever they're paying, uh, if they default on their payments, that's when they'll click the relevant button and find out where the car is. They can take much more drastic measures than that. If you're, They can actually, you can remotely disable a car, really? in effect. Uh, well, yeah, the technology is there to do that. Um, it's a bit like, look, just think about it for a minute. Imagine that you've, um, you're renting um, a property and you're never paying the rent. Is it such a bad thing that you go to your door one day and you put your key in and electronically the owner of the property or the owner of the hotel that you haven't paid your bills actually blocks you from entering the room? You haven't paid for it and they want to work with you before they open the door and let you back in. So it's a similar thing. You've leased a car or long-term rental or whatever, HP, whatever you want to call it. You're not keeping up your payments. You owe them money. Yeah. You don't own the car until you've made the final payment. Yes. And they are intervening to um, to talk to you about the money you owe right. them. And, and from my point of view, having explained it probably quite wrongly and, and with the, the, the sort of technical nous of, of an idiot, uh, it may well be that they're not doing it through the sat-nav, that they're doing it through a different kind of sensor, which is, which is separately put into the car and, and is separately sort of accessible, presumably. Well, it's the same sort of tech, whether it's through your, your mobile phone, you're being tracked through your mobile phone, as we all know, or you're being tracked for your sat-nav system or any other more complicated device. It's the same sort of technology, and it's technology that can work against you if you're not keeping up with your payments or if you've stolen the car and you don't want people to know where you are once you've nicked it. That technology can work against you. Of course, it works for you in a circumstance. We all know the advantages of sat-nav if you've got a safe system and it, and it operates properly. Um, we all know the advantages of... Uh, I mean, here's another advantage of this sort of technology. Um, I think it's called the OnStar system uh, in, in, in the US, kicked it all off, right. with a system whereby the, the, the technology on board the car would detect um, if you'd come off the road and you'd been involved in an accident and then would alert the emergency services. There's a new system that an Israeli company has just come up with along the same lines. If you come up, come off the road, not only will it tell the authorities, immediately trigger the authorities to come out to you and check that you're okay, it will give them an idea of the degree of the ferocity of the accident so they know whether they're coming out to serious trauma or somebody who just might be a little bit upset with a, a few cuts and bruises. Yes. So they can plan ahead. Uh, do we need to send a, a, a helicopter? Because this is a very serious accident right. with all the... Or do we just send out somebody, you know, uh, in an ambulance car just to make sure that, they're, that you know, they're OK? Right. Uh, so this, this technology does and can work into your favour. But like I said, it works against you if you're not playing by the rules or 
to say the least, breaking the rules by stealing yeah. the car. I mean, certainly people have said to me in the past that when you're giving a car back, um, and in fact, if you're leasing a car, I think they actually give you this information as well, um, make sure you wipe any of the trips that you might have made on the sat-nav because otherwise they can be stored somewhere. And, you know, not that you would necessarily care about that, but, you know, you might do. You might not want somebody knowing exactly where you've been for the past three years driving a car, you know? Yeah, well, uh, exactly. Um, or, or even over the course of a weekend, if you've hired a car for a weekend and you've, uh, you know, who knows what people get up to at weekends. You don't necessarily want the, 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 the rental company or anyone else knowing where you've been, what, what addresses you've been going to. Let's right. say you're going through a legal case or, or whatever. Uh, so you've definitely got to do that. But here's an example, Mike, and I'm not trying to scare people because I was aware of it happening. The company told me in advance that that was the whole point of driving this car. But how about this for technology? It just happened to be a Ford, but it, it could be any car. And, and the idea was that it would monitor 24 hours a day my driving behaviour, uh, build a pattern of the driver. Was he a lead foot driver? Was yeah. he a heavy handed driver or not? And not only that, but it would also uh, record to the minute, to the second, actually, when I was climbing into the car, getting out, when I was sat in traffic, when I was moving. And I got this printout at the end of it. Mm. There was something quite haunting about this printout because it took pay. I only had the car for a week and it was pages and pages and pages of printouts. And I was reading this thing back saying, this is wrong. I didn't get out of my car at 12.15 a.m. In other words, just after midnight on Tuesday. I'm never out on after midnight on a Tuesday. Right. And I parked up. No, it's wrong. And do you know what? I went back and I looked at all my receipts. Oh, that was the night I was home late. And you're seeing this record of your life yeah. second by second. The sort of record you could never you could never detail this in your own diary. Right. And it just spells out everything you're doing. It it, it is in effect a sort of summary of your life yeah. or, or one week of your life. And I worked I've worked on the basis since that every car I climb into has possibly got that sort of technology. Yes. And, and it's I just, that terrifying and I thing, that. isn't it? It's a bit like, I mean, I, this is, I mean, it's not like this at all, but it's a sort of similar thing. Once I, you know, I tend to use a contactless card for all the travel I do on the underground system and on the buses and stuff in London. And when you add it up every, if you add it up every month, it's quite expensive and you have no idea until you do that because, you know, you're tapping a card, you're moving on, you're getting on a plane, sorry, you're getting on a train, getting on a bus. Yeah. You know, I, work, I, I, I spend somewhere north of 300 quid a month just on the, right. on, on the tube. Right. And, and the other thing it tells you, of course, is how, mu how many, uh, effectively, how many uh, minutes or hours you're spending yeah. during the course of a right. week. And that's something you can sort of review as well. But also it occurred to me, uh, it did occur to me, and there was nothing untoward with this because I agreed to it yeah. and that technology exists. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot of, about my hours. I, you know, there was this pattern emerging of what time I, I go, get up, what time I go out, how long I'm driving for each day, what time I go to bed at night, you know, what time I return. Yeah. And this pattern emerged. But the other thing, I did look at it and think, well, I've got to cut down on my drive. That's far too many hours a day at, at yeah. the wheel of a car. But the other thing, more worryingly, that emerged is imagine you were involved in a, something like a court case, even a minor court case. Mm. And you were in a magistrate's court. And as we all know, you, know, uh, you can perjure yourself even in a magistrate's court. You, you can pervert the yeah. course of justice, and that's a serious charge. What if you said something? Um, in good faith, because you were relying on your memory, and people's memories are genuinely not very good, as hard as we yeah, try. Right. Um, and then the uh, and then the, the the prosecution, as it were, said, 
well, you say that you were at home at midnight yeah. that night, but we've got the records from your car that show you actually didn't park right. it until, until well, that's, 12 Well, that's, that's a very good point because, of course, um, you know, it's not clear from this article whether or not these records could be subpoenaed, perhaps, by the Crown uh, or by lawyers who were uh, acting for somebody in a private matter against you. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to know, isn't it? Because I'm, a, well, I'm, I'm wondering, Mike, whether the future is going to be like this, that not only will um, people have the ability to, to, to stop your car from going anywhere, but they will have the ability, insurance company-wise, to track your driving, uh, the kinds of way, the way that you park, all of that, uh, and that may reflect on how much they want to charge you uh, for insuring you. Well, yeah, and I think we had the safeguards in place, but potentially there will be test cases, won't there? Yeah. I mean, somebody will go along and they think, say it's a, it's a hard-nosed prosecuting solicitor or lawyer who says, I think I can find out from the records of this guy who's always on the road. Yeah. I think I can prove through those records that he, he, he wasn't at home, that he was out and about, and he was in central London where this alleged crime took place. And maybe I can make it, maybe I can prove it through his driving record. Surely, as a, as a, as a uh, imaginative, creative, hard-working prosecution solicitor, you could apply to yeah. perhaps get access to that information. Well, also, you, also you, could, well, you could use it as well. Uh, here's my legal mind working overtime. You could use it as well as an illustration of how good his memory is because even if you didn't have the records of where he was at any particular time, you could ask him questions about where he was at other times and see whether he knew. Right. And, and, and this is all wandering away from the, the relatively understandable. <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, Mark, let's put it like this with Mercedes at the moment. If you were renting a car off me, if you and I came to an arrangement as friends, stroke colleagues, and you said, look, I'm going to take your car for three three years, Mike, and I'll, I will pay you the 300 quid a month, yeah. and off I go, and I'll see you in three years when I bring it back to you. I wouldn't have any qualms at all about putting a device on there that if you didn't pay me for a couple of months, I'd be able to find out where you yeah, were. Yeah, of course. Um, so I don't have a problem with that kind of commercial tracking of somebody who's not paying their bills. What worries me is the bigger picture, and that's, you know, with all this data on us, whether yeah. we're, we've got our phones or, or whether we're in, in our cars um, and, and all the rest of it. I mean, you know, you can build an incredibly complicated picture on somebody. And as I said to you, when I read back my pages and pages and pages of data of all these little journeys, why did I jump in the car for three minutes at mm. uh, 8, 8.07? on a Sunday morning, and I thought, I didn't, I was in bed, and then I realised I went out and bought a newspaper, right. and then, then it begs the question, why didn't you walk there? Yeah. It's not I know, that well maybe it was raining, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you could, listen to the, you could go on and on, can you, it's fascinating stuff, you could do a whole radio show on it actually, Mike, that's what we should do, we should analyse one day in your life or something, and then go through it, it'd be great, but yeah. listen, yeah, thank you. And, and, and the other thing of course, Mike, is that, uh, like I said, don't, people shouldn't worry about any of this. We should, we should all, of course, worry about the Big Brother thing. We all know that there are 27 cameras pointing at us when we walk down the street. Let's just have that in the back of our minds, but also use it to your advantage and just say, well, I'm just going to be cautious. I'm just going to work on the basis that, you know, all the devices I'm using can, in one way or another, track me, so I'm going to behave accordingly. And that kind of helps you 
stay within the speed limit as well and avoid a parking, uh, yeah. avoid a speeding ticket. Absolutely right. Mike Rutherford, thank you very much indeed, motoring journalist. Fascinating story, not because we were all surprised that Mercedes are doing this, but actually because of where it goes and where it leads and all of that. Uh, here's one from Pete who says, if you automatically connect your phone to your car by Bluetooth, then Apple or Samsung, etc., also know where your car is. Yeah, but they don't know where your car is if that's not in there, do they? I suppose that is the point. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.